Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Alabama basketball. Uh, taking on Virginia Tech in the NCAA tournament from Pittsburgh. I'm going to be doing a lot of stress eating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to be enough to normal eating, but yeah. <laughs> right on top of Caleb Rowe. Now the stage is a bit shifted over to the right this year. Change range. The 2 1 is a fly ball to deep center field. Way back. Way gone. What a shot by Bailey Hemphill over the 220 sign and right at the straightaway center field camera for Mima ESPN. We're tied up at two here in the bottom of the first. And that is about where the stage was last year. So if it hadn't moved, right, that hits the top. Didn't think we'd get a Scooby-Doo reference in today, but hey, why not? That's just, that was my show. That was a good day. I know. I was uh, Scrappy-Doo for Halloween one year. Oh, I need to hear about that. <laughs> but kids today, they don't understand what Halloween costumes were oh. back in the day. You had to if, go. You, if you didn't sweat buckets and have problems breathing, you weren't wearing a good costume. <laughs> One to Alyssa. She lays it down beautifully. Oh my goodness! And the throw is high. The throw is high. Brown falls down. The ball is way out around the corner. Claire Jenkins comes around the score. Alyssa Brown rounding third, heading home. It's an inside the park home run on a bun. I did that once, literally. <laughs> One-two pitch. Swing and a miss. Strike three. And that will do it. Alabama advances to their 14th Super Regional round. They continue to be the only team in the nation that has advanced to every Super Regional round there has ever been. Welcome back, everybody. We are glad you are with us here. This is episode five of the Out of the Box podcast here once again, Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury, as always, a lot to discuss. It was a very eventful week in softball, Tom. It was. It's, every week is, especially when you get into conference play. Something always is happening odd, and uh, certainly we had a lot of that going on in the SEC and nationwide here this week. We're going to talk about all of it here on this show. So here is the rundown, your trip around the bases. At the plate, we're going to talk about the Mississippi State Series. What happened? We're going to talk about Montana Fouts because we've had a lot of people asking us about Montana Fouts. So we're going to discuss what the deal is with her and hopefully when she'll be back South Carolina series this weekend as well. We'll preview that we're going to advance to first discuss the sec and what happened last weekend and then go over an RPI update as a new rendition of that rankings came out 
yesterday as we're recording. And then we will steal second with the out of the box midseason awards. Forget the Oscars. (laughs) Forget the Oscars. Forget the (laughs) Emmys. Golden Globes, irrelevant. Mm, ESPYs. None of that matters. None of that. This is the hardware that people care about. (laughs) There will be no elitists talking about what to do with other people's money or no, anything like that. During no this controversial con- winners, no green books. Oh, there'll situate. be controversy. Oh, oh, will <laughs> but, there? Oh, there might be. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then here we go. <laughs> <laughs> that will be when we're stealing second. Then we will round third and play a game of buy or sell. We feel like we Ooh. know a decent amount about some of these teams. So we're going to buy or sell certain prospects. For example, LSU national championship contender. Do we buy or sell that notion? And then finally we will head home with our predictions for this upcoming weekend, some really great series and the return of the off the wall segment. Thank you in advance to every poster on every <laughs> web page possible for giving us plenty of material this week. We, we gave everybody such big props last week for not providing us with anything that we could use for, for off the wall. Oh, but how they've come back. It's wild that people <laughs> can change so quickly. Just, just a second loss of a season and mm. all of a sudden everyone yes. should get fired. It's amazing how that works out, <laughs> especially so, in a sport like softball, when it's not like there's a lot of games to be played or anything. No, there's it, only what? 56 on the schedule. It's not like they're up in like natural ups and downs throughout the year. <laughs> Everyone has to win should 60 be, a year. We should be up what, 10 nothing after the first inning of every game. <laughs> and no one else should have a chance because no one else has any good players. Uh, so, yeah, off the wall. We'll <laughs> All be that's back. coming up. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited to get to that. But first, we will start at the plate. Talk about the Mississippi State series. Alabama won the series 2-1. Game one and extras three to two. Game two, eight to two over the Bulldogs. Game three, a wild one as we've. Yes. Become accustomed to <laughs> a 12 to nine victory in 10 innings for Mississippi state. Before we dive into the real series though, the story that came out right before first pitch of game one was the injury to Montana Fouts. Alabama released a press release that said it was a minor injury mm-hmm. that would result in Montana Fouts being out indefinitely. Right. But you not know, for a long time. Right. That, that was the key. Not for a long right. time. As far as we know, this should be a pretty, it should be pretty quick. Mm-hmm. We don't know the direct timetable, but it's not like she's out for the year. No. And as coach Murphy said in, in one of our interviews, when I asked him about Montana, he just said it, it is a usage injury. It's one of those that it wasn't caused by any one particular thing. She wasn't hit with a line drive or, or nothing like that happened in practice. It's just, you know, when you, you make the same motion over and over again, and at such a high level, at you know, when you're throwing a ball 70-some-odd miles an hour uh, so much, and Coach Murphy talks about how she's the hardest worker on the team, that type of stuff, you know, you're going to kind of have some some wear and tear on there sometimes. And this is a good time. If it's, if it's going to happen, I think this is a good time in the schedule for it to happen. Right. So, you know, get it. get, And it's one of those things where the only thing that's going to help is rest. Mm-hmm. Get her the rest now. And then hopefully she's she's good to go for the rest of the year. But I felt like we kind of saw it a little bit because we'd been asking questions about Montana for a while. Yeah, she had a somewhat rough outing against Missouri in Game Three. Got pulled from that game, and then Game Three of Texas A and M, we saw her walk more people mm-hmm. than we're accustomed to, throw more balls than we're accustomed to, and I think that kind of showed that she wasn't quite one hundred percent. Yeah, something was there. You know, when in the seventh inning of that third game against Texas A and M, when she walks batter on. 
four straight pitches. Yeah. She never does that. No. <laughs> and it's, and it was one of those things. It was struggling by her standards. There's a lot of people that would have loved to have quote unquote struggled like she was doing, uh, in, in those couple of games there. And it just meant that she was a little bit more hittable, uh, not quite as pinpoint accurate. And you know, when, when that's the case, when you're playing in the sec, you're going to get knocked around a little bit, which is scary when you think about it, because that means that the real Montana Fouts mm-hmm. is the one that we saw game one against Minnesota and the Arizona game, right. games like that. And Arizona offense that all of a sudden is insanely good. I think yeah. still leading the nation in home runs. Yep. And she held them to one run mm-hmm. and, and held what we've found out here since to be a very good uh, Missouri offense, pretty hard down, you know, and helped Alabama get a sweep over Missouri, which has turned out to be a really big deal when you look at what Missouri's been able to do moving forward. Yeah, so Montana Fouts out for an unknown amount of time. We do not expect it to be for a very long time. There were some rumors going around. We will address that in the off the wall segment <laughs> <laughs> because some of the rumors were indeed that's, off the wall. Yes, there's a there's a tease for you. <laughs> but that's why you have a pitching staff. We talked about mm-hmm. it on the broadcast. There are five pitchers coming into the year. Fouts goes out. All right, you have four to lean on. And my main takeaway from this weekend, barring you know, even even looking at game three, because you saw some good pitching from certain people in that game. Right. The pitching staff is just fine without Montana Fouts. You just give up a few more runs right. than you're accustomed to. But overall, it's not like there's that gigantic of a drop in quality. And your offense has improved to the point to where you can afford for your pitcher to give up runs for the most part. Right. And you can kind of outscore people if necessary. I, I, I think any team who lost, who loses their number one is going to have an, it's going to affect them. There's going to be an issue. Uh, Montana Fouts was the number one, was the Friday, Sunday starter for a reason. But that being said, I think uh, you saw Courtney Geddens pitch the best that we've seen her pitch all year long in game number two against Mississippi State. Sarah Cornell pitched very well in game number one. And it's not as though she was getting knocked around in game number three, but they were just single, single, single. Mm-hmm. So she was she was giving up hits. They weren't big hits, but they were enough to kind of get her rattled and, and chase her after one inning. I thought Crystal Goodman, for the most part, pitched well in game three. Uh, but it was one of those things where... Uh, Alabama got all those runs there in the fourth inning, got nine run nine five, and then you just saw Mississippi State kind of chip away at it. And they have a very good offense, at least especially in the top of their order. Um, and it, it, it was just very hard to keep them uh, completely down. Again, now if you look at if you have a one hundred percent Montana Fouts, if Alabama does Alabama sweep that series, I still think so. But uh, you know that wasn't the case. And with Sarah Cornell, I kind of felt bad for her because. You know, she started Wednesday against Georgia Tech, right? Pitched in a starting role against Mississippi State in game one, went extras, mm-hmm. and then had to start game three. And I felt like it was a little bit of fatigue because we've seen her pitch a good bit this year, but not nearly right. her Hofstra numbers. This was a Hofstra numbers kind of yeah. week for Sarah Cornell. I think if Coach Murphy had to do it over again, he would have started Crystal Goodman in game number three and then brought in Sarah Cornell as in relief. But I mean, it, it was one of those coin flip type things, right? It's you know, hindsight's twenty twenty on that. But I thought that Crystal pitched very well. Uh and, and I think that gives you a lot of confidence now moving forward. Say if Montana Fouts is not available this next weekend in South Carolina, you kind of do have a thought that we can go ahead and start Crystal Goodman in game three if we if the matchup looks better than Sarah Cornell. And speaking of confidence, you mentioned Courtney Gettins. We talked about the rough starts for her. She did not look good in game two against Missouri, but 
We mentioned it on the broadcast. She pitched her best last year when Alexis Osorio went down, came in, was kind of just thrown in Mm -hmm. and said, all right, you're the ace for this weekend. Yep. She had to come in and be the number two this weekend, and it was her best start of the year Mm -hmm. easily. And really, she looked great in relief during game three, just had the one mistake to cap more, but was really fantastic all around all weekend. Yeah, I agree. I think that was one of those, you know, she's kind of a a big-time player. She comes in in the bigger, uh, she she has uh, better performances, I should say, when the team is most relying on her you mentioned in the Ole Miss series last year when she had to pitch two games uh the one win Alabama got against Florida in that series last year was the game Courtney Geddon's pitch she pitched very well in the game when she had to come in in the first inning against Auburn uh so there are there have been lots of times where Courtney Geddon's has pitched really well for Alabama when Alabama needs her the most and this is definitely a situation this past week and if Faust is not available. It will be the situation again this this week against South Carolina. And we talked about it. You know, people wondered about the captains this year. And, oh, it says a lot about Courtney Gettins that she was voted a captain this year after one year in the program. Right. Well, if you wanted to know why she was elected captain, her performance this past weekend should say everything everything necessary yeah she's a very she has zero ego and she is an encourager like all she she was the one we could hear her over everybody in the in the dugout right uh, all three of those games uh, she is right there her and reagan reagan dykes the other captain who've become best friends on the team have really shown that leadership as seniors um we've seen reagan dykes have her best year in the, at the plate so far. And just, I think moving forward, I, I have a lot of confidence in both of them. So offensively, the series was not bad. You saw 20 runs scored. It was, uh, you know, there were just some issues in game three with getting runners across. 15 runners left on base. That was an unfortunate number. You really haven't seen Alabama do that all year. Right. I'm not pressing the panic button offensively. A lot of people that I've talked to and that I've seen type things have said, oh, it's time for a lineup change. You know, KB mm. Sides is just barely above 300. Well, folks, fun fact, KB Sides is on a five-game hit streak, which yeah. is the longest on the team. And a lot of people are saying, oh, Skylar Wallace, tough start to conference play for her. Well, let's go back to this bottom of the sixth where she had a home run robbed, an unbelievable play by Quinn and right field for Mississippi State. Yep. That gets over the fence. Skylar Wallace is the hero. Right. So I have zero issues with the lineup. I do not think any changes need to be made whatsoever. Totally agree. And, you know, the the, the other one I, I have heard about, you know, people talking about, do you move KB size down? I think KB is the prototypical number two hitter. I think the fact that she can – she can bunt, she can slap, she can hit away, she can do whatever you need her to do. Uh, I think she and she puts the ball in play a lot because she doesn't walk as much. I, I don't think she works in a lot of other places in the lineup. I think she's a two. If you were to move her down, I think the only thing you would be able to do would be maybe move, move her to six or seven. And but I think that means you move Alyssa Brown back up to one and yeah. put Kaylee Tao too. And which I don't I, like that. No, I think Kaylee Tao is is absolutely suited right now to be the leadoff hitter with the fact the way that she's getting on leading the nation and walks RBIs uh, other opportunities uh, I, th- I think the lineup is fine as it is right now and I don't, I don't think there's any any reason to change anything at this point yeah another fun fact KB sides is hitting 344 in conference play right yeah that's part part of the issue with KB sides batting average compared to everybody else is she was the only one who didn't have a great offensive week in Hawaii right if if she has her normal week in Hawaii then her her batting average is just up with everybody else. 
and I, I know I made this point at one point during the season was the last couple of years, the reasons why you've seen Alabama's offensive individual numbers not be as high as they normally are is because Alabama hasn't been just dominating the lower tier competition they've played. They've done pretty much as usual in the conference. It's just that, you know, that they, they were still winning those games against the, the mid and lower tier, but they were winning those games three to one instead of 13 to one. This year, they were putting up those numbers. That's why everyone's averages and numbers are where they should be. KB just had a bad week in Hawaii against some of those other those teams that she should have been able to get better numbers against. It was an off week. Alabama still won all five, yep. six. All won all six games. It wasn't an issue, but, you know, I, I think she's fine. Yeah, and going to the moving up Alyssa Brown part, which was another thing I saw because she's got the on-base percentage just right at about 400. Batting right. average is pretty good. It's listed at 337. But let's think about what got Alyssa to that point. It was being in the nine hole. Right. She was really struggling early in the year. Patch Murphy moved her down, and things started working again. So why mess with that? No, there's no reason to. That's you know Part of the reason why she has improved is because she's – not pressing at the top of that. I think I think she has a tendency to press when she's at the top of the order, and the fact that she doesn't quite walk as much as, as we you would like her to if she was going to be the leadoff person, it's not as big of a deal in the nine hole, and you can still cause as much you know chaos on the base paths that type of stuff when you get onto the nine hole when you turn things over with KB with them. Um, with Tao and KB behind her. And so this weekend, Alabama will travel to Columbia, South Carolina. If you have any restaurant recommendations, please send them our way because we will be doing Tom's Hungry next week. Yes, looking forward to it. So let us know where we should eat in Columbia. But there should be a fascinating series. South Carolina has struggled a bit in conference play, 3-8 and eight in the SEC. So assuming Montana Fouts is out, and I'm going to assume that until we are told otherwise, mm-hmm. the pitching rotation. What do you expect to see? Do you see what Patrick Murphy probably wishes he'd done against Mississippi State in that you see Sarah Cornell, Courtney Gettins, Crystal Goodman, or do you see it different because Sarah Cornell probably will not start against UAB right. on Wednesday? That's what I say. I think it has a lot to do with what happens uh, tomorrow, so we're recording this on Tuesday, on who starts against UAB, uh, how quickly that game can get wrapped up, how much you're having to pitch in that midweek. If Sarah Cornell does not pitch at all tomorrow, I would think you'll do Sarah, Courtney, Sarah. Mm. If she does have to pitch tomorrow, or if there is just some sort of matchup that Coach Murphy thinks looks a little bit better, depending on what happens in game number one on Friday uh, against that South Carolina offense, you could see Crystal as as the starter with Sarah coming in relief. I think if you had to sit down right now and put it and mark it down, I think it goes Sarah, Courtney, Sarah. We saw a little bit of a first loss hangover. This week for Alabama, the Georgia Tech game, a bit more of a struggle than it probably should have been. Mm-hmm. Game one against Mississippi State, a little bit tighter than it should have been. Do you expect the team to respond better this time? Because I would argue this loss is more heartbreaking in the way that it happened because you let the lead slip away. It was a bigger lead than in the Texas A&M game. Right. But also, it's not that first loss feeling. So I, I think it could go either way. I do too, because I mean, when you look at it, Via the RPI and everything else, the A&M loss is a worse loss than the Mississippi State loss. For sure. I don't think that's a, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think that's going to be a bad loss, especially considering the fact you still won the series. Right. Um, you know, the fact that you had the opportunity to sweep Texas A&M at A&M, I think that's a little bit more of a, a lost opportunity than, than the loss to Mississippi State. Now, <clears throat> I do think some of that hangover was, you know, due to the fact that Georgia Tech's not bad. 
I think I think you got to give credit to Georgia Tech and what they were able to do. I think they played a really good game, uh, had Alabama off balance a lot. I think that had a lot to do more Georgia Tech than Alabama's mindset. Now, if Alabama comes out tomorrow and it's a really close game against UAB, <laughs> then, I think, then there, there might be a little bit more of an issue. Yeah, that's concerning. Right, but I think it's going to be fine. I think Alabama is, is in a good spot still overall. Um, I, I'm not concerned. I would agree with you. I think the UAB game will be a good litmus test. I would expect Alabama to win that game. I would really love to see one player step up this weekend, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but Bailey Hemphill has got to be a little bit better. The consistency in conference play really hasn't been there. The batting average is sub 300, 269, just 7 of 26. Five of those are home runs, so when she's getting hits, it's not a production issue in terms of you know not driving in runs but you know she she's having a a few too many 0 for 2 with two walk games against sec opponents yeah she'll she'll need to put the ball in play a little bit more uh some of it is i think teams are pitching around her a little bit now i think claire jenkins is kind of giving them second thoughts on doing that because she is she 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 was trying to match bailey home run for home run and has has put the ball in play other ways as well so I think a lot of that's going to be up to Jenkins to continue to do that to make people pitch to Bailey and then on the same token you know Bailey needs to, to not press for it I think there were a couple of times especially this weekend where you saw her her pressing to, to it ended up causing a, a pop-up those type of things so you know I, I agree I, I would like to see her be a little bit more consistent but at the same time if, if she's only going to get five hits <laughs> it's okay if they're all all five home runs <laughs> no I'm fine with that right would love to see the average get up, but we'll see. It should be an exciting weekend in Columbia, South Carolina. That is one of the many SEC series, which we will predict later on in the show. We're at the plate talking about Alabama, but we have laid down a Skylar Wallace bunt single in play, Tom. Oh, nice. Yes, perfect backspin dying right at the line (laughs) and now we are advancing to first and we will talk about the sec what happened last weekend including the shocking series in oxford and we'll update the rpi coming up here on out of the box episode five We've put it in play, and now we're advancing to first here on the Out of the Box podcast. Gray Robertson and Tom Canterbury here with you. As always, we're advancing to first and talking about the best conference in America, where it just means more. It just means more. It just means more. More. Uh, We both did the head tilt and the shrug. (laughs) (laughs) Here are your updated SEC standings. Up at the top, Alabama, 7-2. and Oh, look at that. Amazing. Alabama, number one. You wouldn't know it. Ne- nope. <laughs> <laughs> LSU number two, nine and three. Number three, Tennessee, six and three. Also six and three, Auburn. Right behind them, Ole Miss at five and three, just like we all predicted, Tom. <laughs> right behind that, Kentucky seven and five, Arkansas six and six, Missouri six and six, Florida three and six. Were there people who thought Florida was going to win the conference? I don't know who those people in are. this room. You mean? <laughs> yes. Which they still could. I don't want, we, uh, we, everyone's throwing dirt on Florida. <laughs> yeah. There's, just wait. It's the wrath of Kelly Barnhill coming up. Uh, yeah. Georgia three and six, South Carolina three and eight, Mississippi state two and seven, Texas A&M two and seven. So how did we get there from this past weekend? Let's talk about the series of the weekend in the sec. Ole Miss shocking, Florida to win the series 2-1. Game one went to what, 15 innings? Mm -hmm. Florida won. 
Game two, Ole Miss won. Game three, with Kelly Barnhill getting the start. Right. Ole Miss won that one as well. Game two was won on a Rebel walk-off Grand Slam, also in extra innings. Kelly Barnhill. You you hate to see it. You do. Kelly Barnhill pitched all three games. And to me, Tom, I think we were waiting on the actual symbolism, but now we have seen it. Tim Walton trusts nobody else Mm -hmm. on that pitching staff, and they will go as far as Kelly Barnhill can literally throw it and however long she can stay healthy in the circle without getting something because you're not going to be able to pitch every weekend in conference play without, as unfortunate as to say, something happening because that's just too much wear and tear on one person. Especially considering the fact that she pitched all off season too. Right. Like she, she was on the national team. She was, I mean, she, she has pitched at the highest of levels for almost four straight years now with very little time off. Uh, but even that being said, college softball, even five, 10 years ago, you might still be able to get away with it, but not now at, at this point, you know, you have to have somebody that can take some of the pressure off. You can have a definite number one, a, a far and away number one and do really, really well. You can even, you can win championships that way, but even those number ones have a number two that can at least take the midweek games and, and maybe the Saturday games, but we would not seeing that at all at Florida that combined with the fact their offense has not been near as potent as, as they were expected to be as they should be on paper. I, I think Florida is in trouble. I don't think that they are, you know, not hosting a regional in trouble, but I, I think, I think they're, they're in trouble. What does it say about Florida's perception that we went into the booth on Sunday for game three of Alabama, and Mississippi state Florida Ole Miss started. We saw Kelly Barnhill was starting in the circle, and we both said Florida's going to lose this game. Mm-hmm. It, it's amazing. Just, I mean, you can't pitch somebody 300, you yeah. know, 300 pitches. Nearly 400. Right, nearly 400 pitches. Lugo did not play at all this weekend. Yeah, that that's crazy. Unless, I just don't get it. Unless she has an injury or something we don't know about. She, she can't have been that bad to where you have zero trust in her at all. Or even if you don't have any trust in her, it, it becomes to a point where you have no other choice. Right. And maybe they're going to get to that point here moving forward because they've already had their off week within the conference, right? Correct. Yeah. So, And this week, they've got Florida State on Wednesday. Yeah. Huh? They're going to throw Kelly Barnhill sure. for that. Yeah. And then Arkansas this weekend, that's a decent enough offense that I feel like Tim Walton's going to have to throw her two days. Mm-hmm. So we, that's already three starts she's going to have this weekend. And based on what we've seen, if the score is – in a close game on that middle game, she's probably going to come in in relief. Right. And that's, it's eventually it's going to catch up with them if it hasn't already done so. And this it's, you know, just in, in the world of college softball in 2019, you have to have somebody that can take some of the pressure off your ice and they don't have it. And on the flip side, how about Ole Miss? Yeah, I think, I think that's that, that is a little bit of a, an underreported story in this whole situation. Not, it's not just a Florida loss. The fact that Ole Miss played that well, and probably, you know, they're thinking we played well enough to sweep the series. Oh, yeah. Molly Jacobson outpitched because she pitched just as much as Kelly Barnhill did. Mm-hmm. She came in relief in Saturday as well. She came in relief on the Friday game and pitched over 100 pitches. She outpitched Kelly Barnhill in right. the series. But she hadn't pitched as much as Kelly Barnhill had in the month. True. Leading up. True. <laughs> so, yeah, so she was a little bit fresher and had that opportunity. You know, that, that's a that's a tough environment to play in on the road. I think Ole Miss is, you know, they've 
created a good environment there in Oxford uh, and took advantage of it. And I, I think as much of the story is of Florida struggling as Ole Miss doing much better than their expectations were. So Ole Miss beats Florida two out of three. Neither of us predicted that last no. week. I, I said Florida would sweep them. I you think. did. I did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. I, I said Kentucky would sweep Missouri. So <laughs> we've, we've Close. had our bad picks. Almost happened. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. LSU took two of three over South Carolina. I was looking through the stats. No real stories here. I think, you know, LSU won the bookend game. South Carolina won game two. I think that was a good game for South Carolina's confidence. But I think that series really displays where those two teams are right now in terms of confidence and talent just overall in the SEC. Yeah, I think LSU has has an outstanding offense that has you know, been a little, even better than their expectations were. And, and they got some good young pitching. Uh, South Carolina still continues to be a very inconsistent team overall. Uh, I think it's good for them that they were able to to not get swept on the road in Baton Rouge to get the one win there. But uh, yeah, they they didn't do a whole lot for themselves there, only winning the one. And so that is Alabama's opponent this weekend, South Carolina and Columbia. Kentucky, two episodes ago, we said as the Wildcats were sitting pretty at 6-0 and in the SEC. <laughs> oh, maybe. No, nope. The answer is mm, no. Probably not. Seven and five in the conference. They lost two of three to Arkansas, even though I haven't seen much reported on it. Apparently, Mary Half got injured, took a fall in a collision of some kind. That's what I saw on social media. I did not. And that was from the Arkansas softball Twitter. Okay. Did not see anything else. Uh, that was game two where she got the start. Uh, Graves came in in relief. Mary Half did not appear again. I have not heard any update, so I don't know how her status is, even it or if at all she's still hurt because Autumn Storms pitched fantastic in games one and three. But Kentucky, I just don't know what to make of them. Six and no to start the league, get swept by Missouri, lose midweek to Western Kentucky right. with Autumn Humes, and then drop two of three to Arkansas, have the one great 16 to two win, but their offense struggled in games one and three. And I, overall, there are just a lot of question marks now about Rachel Lawson's team. Yeah, I, th- I think the fact that you're able to put up 16 in that game number two kind of says, all right, well, we, we have the ability, uh, but they just don't have the consistency. Uh, I think that, you know, we, we lauded them so much for the non-conference schedule that they played. And I think in some ways it was good, but also, you know, they they really went through the grinder before they even got into conference play. Uh, so even though you know, we're just now starting the third month of the season. They may be feeling as though like the season will never end because they've been playing the toughest competition from the very beginning. And I, everybody looks at the pitching as far as what that will do. But at some point, that's going to also wear on the hitters. Right. You know, we're seeing a, you know, we're seeing an ace every time we come up there and it's, it's very difficult to get a good, uh, get your timing down or have to get any confidence without some, you know, pad the stat type games thrown in there. Um, and so I think, it, I think some of this can be contributed to that non-conference schedule that she played. And you're looking at the pitching statistics, two aces, quote unquote, in terms of innings pitch, you've got Autumn Hume, 73 and a third this year, Grace Ballman, 78 and a third this season, Autumn Hume's ERA, Tom, 393 this year <laughs> and Grace Ballman, 460. Mm. That's not going to cut it in no. conference play. And that was after Humes had just a immaculate ERA after the first two weeks. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. No, it's almost like this sport is unpredictable. Yeah, sometimes it is. <laughs> the uh, the Saturday Sunday Monday series turned into a Sunday Sunday Monday series. Thank you, 
snow. Always always exciting. So Missouri and Tennessee played a doubleheader on Sunday. Game three was last night as we were recording. Missouri won game one, chased Ashley Rogers early. Uh, Tennessee won games two and three. That series, we both picked correctly. It went about as I expected. I think proof that Missouri is for real and Mm -hmm. that they can beat some people, but also that Tennessee is one of the three or four cream of the crop teams in this conference. Yeah, just Tennessee's pitching and their pitching depth, I think, is is really what was highlighted in this weekend against a very good offensive Missouri team. The fact that Missouri won game number one, I think was a little bit surprising. I was consider I was thinking it was going to be, you know, one of those the home team wins the bookend and, and Missouri wins the, the one in between type games. But um just you know, when you look at what Missouri's been able to do, been very impressed. Uh so it's Again, it went about the way that we thought it was, but I was impressed by both teams. Yeah, we might be talking about Ashley Rogers in the circle for Tennessee for SEC Freshman of the Year, maybe. Could Just be. Just maybe. Possibly. one six seven ERA this year, and clearly leading the team in a hundred and a third innings pitch this year with two veterans behind her. Maddie Moss, 65 this year. Kalen Arnold, 45, excuse me, and a third. So Tennessee takes that series two of three. And finally, down on the plains, mm. we were right about this one too. Georgia taking two of three on Auburn. It was blatantly obvious watching games one and two. Didn't get to watch much of game three, but Auburn clearly misses Michaela Martin. Yep. They just don't have the pitching behind her to be consistent in this league and shut down the SEC offenses. And Georgia came out. Hungry, as expected. The offense played well, but also Mary Wilson Avant pitched the best I've seen all season. Yeah, uh, to throw one hitter against a a good Auburn offense was impressive. Um, But you see, there's the difference right there between the type of pitching staff at somewhere like Auburn and the type of pitching staff that Alabama has. Alabama loses their number one, and you didn't see a whole lot of drop-off, whereas Auburn loses their number one, and it's a pretty big drop-off to where against a Georgia team who had struggled offensively, they found their bats this weekend. Uh, and then a very impressive performance by Avant. Uh, we'll see if this will catapult Georgia or if they will continue to have an up and down type season moving forward. Yeah. Georgia number two in the preseason poll for the sec three and six mm-hmm. this year tied with Florida, but their RPI went up. It couldn't have gone much lower, to be quite (laughs) honest. But here is your RPI update. Alabama moving up to number 10. Before we get to the rest of the SEC, Tom, good to see Alabama move up, even though the Crimson Tide lost that game three to Mississippi State. Right, but you still got two two victories against Mississippi State. Mississippi State was number 28 last year and last week in the RPI, so those were good wins. I think Georgia Tech, if they continue to play like they played on Wednesday, they'll, they'll move up some. I didn't see what they did this past weekend. Um, in, in their conference series, who do they play this week? They got swept by Duke. Oh well, <laughs> I, I was trying. I, I didn't want to tell you. Well, I didn't you know, want to tell you. Thanks, thanks, <laughs> thanks for sharing. Trying to, trying not to as, save so, you, Tom. Not as though Duke's not a second-year program or anything. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so Georgia Tech's not going to help us, but <laughs> I, think, I think Mississippi State. That, that's those aren't those. Not, that's not bad. Didn't you know? Beat them two out of three. Um, and they've moved up in there in the rankings as well. So uh, I, I think you'll continue to see Alabama as they just play more conference games. Uh, their strength schedule will go up and their RPI will go up. Yeah, I didn't put it on our list. Georgia Tech dropping to 59 in the RPI this week with Jeez. the sweep against Duke. So that's not helpful. No, not at all. But the Yellow Jackets could 
you know, they could win a few more. The Morgan Bruce that I saw on Wednesday, that is an ace in the ACC who could win some games for that team. But then she got chased a couple times against Duke, which doesn't make sense. But things in (laughs) sport rarely do sports. So the SEC in the RPI LSU at the four spot, Florida down to nine, Mm. just as they were last week. That's a little bit lower than we were than we're usually used to seeing the Gators, Tennessee dropping to 11, Ole Miss all the way up to 12, Tom, Auburn at 15, Kentucky. 2 weeks ago they were 7, this week they are 17. Yee. Arkansas at 23, Mississippi State at 24, South Carolina 26, Missouri up to 32. Georgia 37, Texas A&M 43. Seems about right based on the schedules that we've seen. Ole Miss being 12 is shocking. They are suddenly really putting themselves in a position where they could host regionals this year. Yeah. And another one that is interesting is Missouri coming in at 32. I think a lot is going to ride on how this appeal goes for Missouri because if they are, if they continue to, to play at this level, they could get into a conversation, you know, if they pull a sweep or two here and there to where they're, they may be trying to host a regional. I, I wouldn't be shocked right. if or, they were able to get some wins. Yeah, or or at least be a very high two seed and get it, you know, get it get a good opportunity there. So um uh this 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 appeal is gonna be very interesting, not just for the SEC tournament to see if all thirteen teams will go or or if we'll have just our normal 12, but in addition to what moves forward in the NCAA tournament. And then another one that jumps out to me a lot is Flo- or excuse me, LSU hopping up to four. That's good to see. Still behind one Florida State, two Oklahoma, three UCLA, but we're really seeing LSU get the respect that a lot of people think they deserve this year, and I'm one of those people. I think that's a very good ball club. Yeah, continuing. I know there's a lot of softball to be played before then, just looking at the end of the year. Alabama finishes off the year in Baton Rouge. What a series that could be. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my yeah. Just Have Byron and Jill and Greg Sankey. Everybody come down. Because come on down. That could decide the regular season championship in the SEC. Come on down to Baton Rouge. We'll just head over to College Station from there. It'll be fine. <laughs> We're all caravaning. It'll be anyway. a good time. I'll have my car. Y'all will be on the bus. We'll, we'll, eat, just... we'll eat all the crawfish, <laughs> and it'll be great. Shout out to Allison Habits. <laughs> uh, Alabama opponents in the RPI. Arizona up to six, Tom. Wow. that That is a little bit surprising, but you, as you say, the the offense has really come alive for them. It, it's feast or famine in the, in the Pac-12 you know, as far you know, they're going to play some really good teams and some really bad teams. So that's it may kind of even itself out. But they played a a really good non conference schedule. The fact they played Alabama is helping them, uh, that type of thing. So I'm surprised to see them there, but we'll, we'll see what happens moving forward. And then Minnesota up to eight. Now the Big Ten is better this year, certainly than past years. It is not the SEC in terms of everybody you're playing is a top 50 RPI team. So I do wonder how long Minnesota will stay around the top 10. Because I have to think that when they play, if they play a Michigan State this year, who's in the low 150, 170 area, that's going to affect the RPI. Yeah, that, you know, a three game series with Penn State, with Rutgers, with Michigan State, that's really going to hurt them. Uh, Michigan not being as high up as they normally are. Uh, but the fact they played a really good non-conference schedule, I know they played a series with Texas to play Alabama a couple of times. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of taking advantage of that, that schedule and, and getting a lot of wins during that schedule. And I think when you look at it, Alabama's two wins over Minnesota are going to be very helpful for Alabama moving forward as well. 
Yeah, you've got a three-game series against Iowa. No help there. No help there. I'm looking. I'm trying to find them in the RPI, and I'm giving up around 100, so I don't <laughs> see them there. Yeah. We know Nebraska's past the 100 spot. They've got a three-game yeah. series with them, and we played Michigan State, Nebraska, and they have been no help. And Nebraska's not not that good. So, no. there's, yeah, so they, it'll, it'll start kind of evening out, and they'll start falling here as they move more into their conference. So the RPI is out, and, again, it will all even itself up eventually i like uh i like missouri state and, and troy trying to help us out a little bit Kyle i would state like Fullerton. i would like to really highlight troy i have heard them in the mix potentially for an at-large bid well good yes our friend eric lopez at fast pitch news part of the in the circle podcast has them as the first four out wow okay well good and you know some somebody's going to give them some good some good games to continue to move up their strength of schedule with louisiana is always good uh, South Alabama, not as good as usual this year, but you know, Sunbelt's not a bad conference at all for this for softball. And so Alabama will take on UAB on Wednesday, 126 in the RPI. That won't help. Three-game series at South Carolina, 26 in the RPI. Should be fine. I think if Alabama has, at worst, a three-in-one week, as long as that one isn't UAB, right. then you'll see the Crimson Tide move up in the rankings next yeah, week. They'll, they'll, they'll at least stay where they are, if not move up some, depending yeah. on what happens up above them. Um, and Again, Alabama's in, in fine position because uh, they'll they'll continue to move up. We still got the series with LSU. Still got a series with Florida upcoming. Uh, moving forward in the conference, Alabama's in, in good spot. So that is the updated RPI and your SEC conversation as well as we advance the first. But uh, but wait, Tom, what's that? Oh, we're getting the sign. I, I I still have the flashing yellow light. Flashing yellow. Yes. The Claire Jenkins flashing yellow. But she's got what seven, eight solid bases. She's killing it. I know. She's, for a flashing yellow, she's <laughs> she's pretty effective. So that, that's that's what I'm just going to go for. For a flashing yellow, I'm I'm okay. That's what, so that's what I want. We've got the sign, and now it is time to steal second here on the Out of the Box Podcast, Episode Five. Ladies and gentlemen, prepare yourselves. It is time for the Out of the Box Midseason Awards. <laughs> Who will Gray and Tom give some of the biggest awards to around college softball? We'll talk about that coming up on the other side here on Out of the Box. Welcome back, folks. We're glad to have you here for episode five of the Out of the Box podcast. No guests this week because we were going to dedicate a whole show to award season. Everyone who knows me knows I love awards. I love talking about movies and what's going to win awards and other awards things. Spotlights and confetti. Yes. It's all happening. All of the awards. And so we thought this week, as we're right about the middle of conference play in the SEC, it would be the perfect time to announce the the out-of-the-box midseason awards. Yeah, I was going to throw in music, but I don't even have to anymore, Tom. (laughs) You got it now. (laughs) So we will begin. We've got SEC awards, we've got national awards, and then we will close with some Alabama awards. And we've had some people tweet in, say who they think. I have definitely taken the social media suggestions and run with them in some spots. We'll see if Twitter agrees, and we'll tweet these out later once the show's been out for a couple days. So we begin, Tom, with SEC Player of the Year and the award for the the out-of-the-box midseason award for SEC Player of the Year from Tom Canterbury goes to... Amanda Sanchez, LSU. She got mine, too. Yeah. 
505 overall. Overall, yeah, Tom. I know. Overall, seven home runs this year, 47 ribbies, 644 on base percentage. Conference play, it's ridiculous to even look at. 600 <laughs> batting average, six home runs. Tom, six of her seven home runs this year have been against SEC pitching. That doesn't wow. make sense. It does not. <laughs> 18 runs driven in an on-base percentage of 729. Wow. I mean, it's, it, that's why, that's why she is the out of the box sec player of the year halfway mark. Yeah. So we're both giving it to her. Was anyone else in consideration? I uh, looked a little bit at Abby cheek thought about Mia Davidson, but I was yeah. a little bit put off by her performance this weekend in terms of, you know, leaving a lot of people on base. It seemed really easy to me. She's still, yeah, Mia Davidson, she still is very scary to me. Like, it, I wouldn't want to pitch to her, uh, especially in big situations. But um, just a few too many of those pop-ups, like you talked about. On Friday, she left five runners on just by herself. But I, I would not like to continue to put yourself in that situation to have to pitch to her in that, you know, with, all, with people on base. So congratulations, Amanda Sanchez. Yes. We will send you a high five. <laughs> yes. We'll see you in Baton Rouge. Yes. We All will. right. It is time for the National Player of the Year Award okay. from Out of the Box Midseason Awards. Tom, who I, do you give it to? I, I was going to ask for yours. You first. want me to go first? I want you to go first. All right. Rachel Garcia. Yeah. UCLA. Yeah, is there that you your go. choice? Yes, it is. It's easy. 356 <laughs> overall, six doubles, six homers, 31 runs driven in. That's fine. That's not why. She's getting it. She's doing that while also pitching with a .54 ERA, a 14-0 record. She's thrown 91 and a third innings pitched, has allowed seven earned runs, strikeout-to-walk ratio, 147 to 13. There you go. Easy choice. Yeah, she's the most complete player in the nation, and I think she plays for the most complete team in the nation as well. So I'm going to go with... Go with Garcia as well. So congratulations, Rachel Garcia, mm-hmm. the out-of-the-box midseason national player of the year. The SEC freshman of the year. Montana Fouts, Alabama. Okay. In terms of freshman of the year, it is easily Montana Fouts because she has been fantastic all season. And now that we know that she's been playing hurt a little bit recently, yeah, when she comes back healthy, people, look out. Because she still has the best ERA in the conference, even, even, even not at 100%. Exactly. So... Good luck, everybody, when she comes back. Yeah, a 105 <laughs> ERA and 87, 87 innings pitched, has given up 13 earned runs, 111 strikeouts to 17 walks, and most of those walks given up in Texas A&M where she was probably dealing with some, with some injuries. injuries. Yeah, so it's, I, again, it's and, and she has one that has lived up to the hype, too. She had a lot of hype coming in. So, you know, there people were gunning for her from the get-go and Alabama has put her in the you know against the best teams that Alabama has faced and she has not blinked and has been very dominant in those games. So, uh, I think that's why she she is that freshman of the year. So, are we just going to keep agreeing? Is that how this is going to go? It makes, I feel it, like we're not going. It makes to. for good radio, but <laughs> yes, no. It does. I think we'll have some difference as we move forward. So our SEC midseason freshman of the year, according to Out of the Box, Montana Fouts yeah! at Alabama. National freshman of the year. Tom, I'm not changing my pick. It's Montana Fouts. Yeah, I'm with you. I would shout out Shaylin O'Leary, Texas, best ERA in America, .59, six earned runs allowed in 71 innings pitched. But 
That's also a deeper staff in terms of people with low ERAs. You got Miranda Ellish there, who's an Oregon transfer. Right. You know, you've got the fact that Mike Mike White pretty much just brought his entire Oregon team with (laughs) him. Come on, everybody got left Eugene and went to Austin. So it's a remix of the Oregon Trail, right? Basically, (laughs) going opposite way. Hopefully, nobody got dysentery. (laughs) Yes, Tom. Hopefully not. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, Montana Fouts, easy pick, uh, just dominance. And think about where she would be if Patrick Murphy were letting her hit too. Right. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So I'm. I think. I think we continue to be in agreement with each other here. All right. Out of the box midseason awards here. Mm-hmm. It is time for the SEC Coach of the Year, Tom Canterbury. Who do you oh, give it to? This is the one that I have. That there's a lot of really good candidates in this situation. Um, you can go with Larissa and uh, Larissa in uh, in Missouri, and then you can go with Mike Smith at Ole Miss. But I'm going to go with Patrick Murphy at the University of Alabama. Are you saying that because he listens and also is... <laughs> No, because Alabama's the number one team in the conference and had a 33-game win streak to start off the year and was picked eighth in the conference and is number one. So that is gonna, fair. Yeah, so Patrick Murphy. I have to give it to Larissa Anderson. Oh. I know. I'm sorry, Murph. I'm sorry. But Jeez. I have to give it to her because this is a Missouri team. That came in with zero expectations. They, they should, lost to Bradley. They did, but they should be having a year like A&M's having, <laughs> where A&M is dropping games left and right. They're losing series. Missouri swept Kentucky. Yeah. Missouri got a game off Tennessee, and Missouri beat Georgia in a series, and they also played pretty tough in the non-conference. And this is a team with not a lot of great pitching, but a pitching staff that has gotten a little bit better because Larissa Anderson has helped them just gain confidence, gain skills. To Whereas, you know, coming into the year, I thought they'd be giving up seven runs a game in conference play. Maddie Norman has been way improved in the circle. Yeah. And also just, you know, the fact that they actually have to make a decision about this postseason ban. You know, they could take the postseason ban this year. I don't think they want to. Though, no. Because they're pretty good. Yeah, that you know, again, that was kind of the uh, the dilemma was, do we just take the ban this year or do we appeal it, get to play this year, and if we lose the appeal, not get to play next year? The thought was, well, we're not going to be that good this year. Go ahead and take it. But they, they didn't. They went ahead and appealed, and uh, they are playing well enough to uh, to warrant that at this point. Yeah, so Larissa Anderson, my okay. SEC midseason coach of the year. I can't. I, I can't. Kill it. I, I can't. I can't totally disagree with it. Like I said, I think she was in the conversation, but uh, really, when you look at where that where Alabama was projected preseason and how Alabama has improved so much from the last couple of years, especially offensively, uh, I, I think you go with Murph. My one, my one. I'll, I'll argue that a little bit, mm-hmm. but I also think it comes from our lens. We're with this team every weekend. Sure. I, I've seen the flashes that this team could be what they are this year in the last couple of years. There were just some things that weren't happening, mainly yeah. timely hits, right. mainly that belief late in games that you could come back. I think that this this kind of team, though, has been in the program the last couple of years all along. So to me, it's not really that much above the expectations I had, maybe a few less losses at this point than I was expecting coming into the year. But you had Alabama number two in the preseason poll, or number three. Number three, you're yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. I had Alabama number five. I thought they could go higher. <laughs> I just had that because I was a little concerned about some of the lineup things because we didn't know how good Maddie Morgan would be. So I just think Missouri came out of nowhere so completely 
that it's hard for me to ignore Larissa Anderson for this sure. award. Well, and it's one of those things too, to where, you know, what is your criteria right. for picking these type of, you know, is it who exceeds expectations? It's the Nick Saban or, right. question. Or do you give it to the, you know, to UCLA or, you know, any of those type of things. Well, speaking of giving it to UCLA <clears throat> or Patty Gasso, <laughs> right. it is the out of the box national coach. Yeah, of the year award. Yes. I will go first. Mm-hmm. I went a little off the reservation, did some research, you know, oh, see typey typey. There's, there's the difference. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I went with Pete Demore. I apologize if the pronunciation is incorrect, but Pete Demore at Virginia tech in his first year with the Hokies, Virginia tech is 30 and five. 10 and 2 in the ACC. Wow. Coach Demore coming from Kennesaw State after 2 years there. Last year the Hokies were 23 and 30 overall and 7 and 16 in conference play. You don't see that stark of a contrast unless the coach is really darn good. So Pete Demore is my national coach of the year. Wow. I could have guessed 100 people before I had come up with him. <laughs> uh, but I I can't I can't disagree with that. I am going to go See, again, this is one I think Coach Murphy is in the conversation. I agree. I think Patrick Murphy is definitely I think both people that we named are in the right. conversation for national coaches yeah. here. Uh but I'm gonna go with uh with Mike White at Texas. Hmm. What he's been able to do. I know he brought a lot of his Oregon team with him, uh, but Texas has not had any type of success at this level in a really, really long time <laughs> since Cat Osterman was there. It was basically the last time Texas was as relevant as they are right now. To number seven in the RPI right now. Yep. Had some really good early conference wins or non-conference wins. We'll see what happens when they play Oklahoma. But uh, I think the fact that he's been able to elevate a team uh, like Texas to the national conversation in, you know, in one year is really, really impressive. So I'm going to go Texas I'll roll mention Patrick Murphy. Can I throw in a dark horse? I think you already have, but you can throw in another one. I'll throw in one more. Mike Candrea, because after watching Hmm. at Arizona, after watching that team when we were there, he has done a marvelous job to get that team where they are now, top 10 in the RPI, top 10 in the polls, just swept Arizona State. I was not thoroughly impressed with Arizona when we were there. I thought they were a good team. They've gotten a lot better. Yeah. And you listen to what I, I went through Arizona social media after they lost to South Florida that weekend. And they were saying, it's time to get rid of Coach Candrea. Time yeah. time to pull the plug. Game has passed him by. Yep. He's too old. He's forgotten <laughs> how to do no. Right. 9-0 in the Pac-12. If Arizona wins the Pac-12 this year with UCLA and Washington there, yeah. I say you have to give it to Mike Kendrick. I, I 100% agree with that. So keep in mind that, listeners of the Out of the Box podcast. I'm still going to ride the Pete Demore train. (laughs) (laughs) You and seven people from Blacksburg. (laughs) Look out, though, for Mike (laughs) Andrea. Seriously, that is is a real story that could happen. All right, the biggest surprise team here on the the out-of-the-box midseason awards in the SEC. Which I I think this is an obvious one, Missouri. Okay. Missouri, it's Missouri or Ole Miss. Uh, But, you know, again, as we've talked about this whole whole segment, uh, what – what what Missouri's been able to do this year from zero expectations, Ole Miss they've come to the point now where there's there are some expectations for them every year. Um, Missouri had none entering <laughs> the season, had the coaching change, everything else, had the probation situation. Uh, so I, I think the fact they've been able to be as good as they are, I'm going to go in Missouri. I went with Ole Miss because I would never have expected at this point in the year we would be talking about Ole Miss 
as a potential host of regionals. Right. That is completely out of the blue. As much as I was shocked by Missouri, Ole Miss being in a position, fifth in the SEC right now, where they could host regionals just does not make sense. It doesn't make sense, but Molly Jacobson coming in, Kylan Becker of a top of the lineup, still batting an extremely great average near north of 480. I mean, that is a team that has found success this year when nobody expected it. Kylan Becker, 486. Abby Latham, 354. She's the one who had the walk-off Grand Slam against Florida. You've seen Kaylee Horton this year hit very well. Brittany Finney has been much better in the circle compared to the last couple of years. So Ole Miss to me is a real shock and seeing them at 12 in the RPI just wasn't expecting that Tom. And they're my biggest surprise team for sure. I I can't argue with that at all. I think it, it does just come down to those two and we, it's not a surprise to us, but I think maybe somebody looking at it from, from outside would might have to talk about Alabama in that situation yeah. too. All right. So the national biggest surprise team of the year for the out of the box midseason awards, I will say All right. Stanford. I was thinking Stanford. Really? Yeah, I was looking through just now, and to be, they were the absolute dredge for over the last four or five years in the conference after having, you know, so much early success in the in in the sport of softball. Uh, hadn't done much at all. Gone through a few uh, different coaches, and looks like they finally have got it put together there in Palo Alto. Yeah, Jessica Allister out there. They're twenty in the RPI. And I go, here's why I'm saying this. I go to a weekend in Baton Rouge. They beat LSU in Baton Rouge 7-5, to and that same weekend beat Michigan 7-1. to Stanford, the last couple years, would not have even sniffed no. yeah. those two games. Yep. So Stanford's my pick. You're going with that as well. Wow. Um, I think in, I still think overall I'm going to give it to Texas. Okay. Yeah, just, you know, to have lifted that team from a kind of middle of the pack to now a top 10 type RPI team. I'm going to go with Texas, but I think Stanford's definitely been, been really good in a surprise. Virginia tech, as you mentioned, Northwestern's another one's been, been somewhat surprising. And then you kind of get into the Missouri's and all misses. All right. So it's time to talk about the bad, the sec. <laughs> this biggest, is more fun. All right. Yeah, I love this. We get to rag <laughs> on some people, the sec biggest disappointment team here on the out of the box midseason awards. Tom, who gets this award in quotations mm-hmm. for you? I think it comes down to Florida and Georgia. I'm going to go with Florida because everyone just assumed they were going to be, you know, the national, the national, if the conference, if not national champion, Again, not saying that they can't go on a run here and, and get right back in the conversation, but I'm going to go with Florida. I have to go Florida. No. Nothing in the circle behind Kelly Barnhill, but the offense, it just doesn't make sense. No consistency whatsoever behind Amanda Lorenz and Kendall Lindemann. You know, just you're seeing players in the past who have been better. Jamie Hoover, Danielle Romanello has been fine as a pinch hitter the last couple of years, but she has stepped in, stepped into the starting lineup and really struggled yeah. this season. And, you know, I just wasn't expecting that. So it's hard not to be disappointed in Florida. Plus three conference series this year, they've lost each one to one. That's all yeah, I need to say. Pretty much. Yeah. Cause we're talking, I don't know if I, if we ever went back and did the complete research, but I don't think Ole Miss has ever beaten Florida in, in a three game series. Yeah, in the regular season, I know. You know, they beat them in the in the SEC tournament a couple of years ago when Ole Miss ran to win the to win the SEC tournament. But you know, I don't think they've ever beaten them in a regular season series. So the, the fact that they fall into that level again, they can still do well. They can still you know get on a roll here. But uh, I agree. I think Florida's the most disappointing. 
And now it is time for the Alabama Awards, Tom. Very excited. Four. Good. Okay. We will start with the Alabama Player of the Year. Tom Canterbury, who are you giving it to? Montana Fouts. I'm so surprised. I know. I know. It's shocking. Uh, I think there's there's a lot of really good contenders for this. Uh, I think Kaylee Tao's in the conversation. Bailey Hemphill's in the conversation. Reagan Dykes is in the conversation. But when you look at what is the big difference from last year to this year, it is just the presence in the circle that she brings to be able to come in Monday. I mean, excuse me on Friday and Sunday in, in conference, especially and just totally dominate people and make it to where there's no, it's not like you're getting out of jams every other inning, just breezing through for the most part. And when we're, we're talking about her quote unquote struggling and she gives up one run and because she walked three people. So, so I mean, yeah, so, right. I mean, it's just, it, it's really amazing what she's been able to do coming in. Uh, I think she's, she's the number one. I got to say Kaylee Tao. And the reason I'm saying that is we saw the offense start well this year, mm-hmm. struggle a bit at the beginning in Arizona. Patrick Murphy said, all right, enough is enough. Kaylee, you're the leadoff. And it has been unbelievable since then. And that is because she gets on base when nobody's on and she's a true leadoff whether to start the game or start the inning. And then when somebody's on base, she drives them in. And look at the walks, 44 walks this year. That's more <laughs> than she had all of last year right? by a good bit. Mm-hmm. And so she just finds her way on base. And I think that when you've got somebody on base and you set the table for KB sides who can drive in runs, Bailey Hemphill, who only drives in runs, basically, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're setting your team up to score runs, and that's why she's at the top of the order. And I think since Patrick Murphy made that move, it has made Alabama a different team. So Kaylee Tao is my Alabama player of the year. And certainly, it's not on the list, but the coaching decision of the year, Kaylee Tao up to the leadoff spot. Like it. 100%. All right. Alabama most improved player. There's, there are several contenders for this one. Uh, I'm going to go with Maddie Morgan. Uh, she just I, – I know – I remember – uh, before the season started, UI and, and Nathan Sheehan, the sports information director for Alabama, we were sitting down and just trying to you know find out the lineup and try to think what we were going to do. And the biggest question we all had was what's going to happen at third base. And this is when we had an inkling that maybe Kaylee Tao would be to be the first baseman. So that was still a, a, an issue because we weren't 100 percent sure. But even then, we were like, well, what happens at third? And you know, Maddie Morgan last year had so many struggles. And to not only has she been serviceable at third base, she's been outstanding at third base and it has been a revelation at the plate. She's been outstanding. And uh, I'm definitely going with the sophomore from Linwood. I'm going with the player with the second best batting average on the team, Maddie Morgan, mm-hmm. just like you. 349 this year. And Tom, get ready. Conference play, 435. Wow. Who is this player? (laughs) She's not who we saw last year, but she's more confident. She just trusts her swing a lot more. The footwork over at third is impeccable. Just four errors this year, and two of those came in one inning in one game against Missouri. It's just a freak thing. She's been spectacular. She's the player that Patrick Murphy recruited. And, you know, sometimes it it takes a, a little time to make the jump from high school or travel ball to this next level. And, but it's been all about confidence for her. She's, she's been part of that sophomore class this year that coach Murphy has said from day one has just absolutely worked their butts off to be in this situation and to improve from last year. And, uh, and she's done a great job. All right. So the Alabama newcomer of the year, Tom right. Canterbury, I'm going to say Sarah Cornell. 
I think it's easy. The Hofstra transfer coming in a 194 ERA this year, 14 and 0 record has stepped in with Montana Fouts injured, pitched extremely well, had a rough start on Sunday. That happens when you start three games in a week. Mm-hmm. I think having her as a great alternative for Montana Fouts has just made the offense a bit more relaxed, uh, has told them that it's going to be okay and that you know we're not going to give up a ton of runs every game. We, we've got a reliable number two behind Montana Fouts. I think having Sarah Cornell, I think if the SEC were to give out a Newcomer of the Year award, if Amanda Sanchez weren't getting it because she's a transfer from Missouri, it should go to Sarah Cornell because she has made Alabama better in the circle and much deeper. Yeah, could not agree more. Uh, she's... She has provided that that to be the number two that Kelly Barnhill doesn't have. Right. So it's it's helped Montana Fouts be able to pitch a little bit more free and easy because everything is not on her the the entire time. It's like it, again the offense doing much better, and then the fact you have a number two that can come in, it's been huge. I agree, Sarah Cornell. So finally, this is a, a kind of a different award, but I think one that is important because it has the word important in it. It does, yes. It is Alabama's MIP, Alabama's most important player going forward. That means from this point until the end of the season. Tom Canterbury, who do you give it to? I think I'm going to give it to Bailey Hemphill. I think she needs to, as we've talked about early on, just to be provide a little bit more consistency, and but at the same time, be the big time Bailey that we need her to be at certain issues at certain times throughout games. And, and as we move forward, uh, provide those big time hits as she's done in the past. And I, you know, can fully expect she'll continue to do this year leads the nation in RBIs. I think she'll continue to do that. And if she does, I think Alabama is going to be right there. Uh, I've got Bailey Hemphill as well. I'm considering some other people too, because you could say Claire Jenkins, you know, backing up Bailey, but right. if she's in a slump, move Reagan Dykes up right. to the four hole. So that's not a big deal. It's a little bit more of a fluid situation. Yeah, there. you know Bailey's going to be in the three hole. If there's anyone else that I think is very important, it's Caroline Hardy. And I say that because Alabama needs a scary pinch hitter. Yeah. They need somebody who, if the bases are loaded and Alyssa Brown's at the plate, as we saw on Friday night, mm-hmm. who can come in and you know she's going to get a hit or at least put it in a position where a run can score. Just deep fly ball. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You need a player coming off the bench that can be that. And I think it almost has to be Caroline Hardy because Chloe Anderson, slapper, you're not going to have her up in that situation. Kayla Davis, still very green. Taylor Clark, still trying to get that first hit. Just, Unfortunately. Just, just needs a hug. Just, yes. just needs a good pat on the back yeah. because she deserves it. But I think Caroline Hardy has to be better. Just 200 on the year. She's got nine hits. Five of them are home runs, but we also haven't seen a Caroline Hardy home run in quite a while. So I think she needs to step up and be a little bit better and a little bit more consistent, a little bit more of someone that Patrick Murphy can rely on in the lineup. Mm -hmm. But Bailey Hemphill, she's absolutely critical. Because if Tao and Sides are getting on base, Bailey Hemphill has to be the one to drive them in. That is the out of the box midseason awards. We've given some from the SEC around the country and then for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And now it's time for us to round third. Let's get our Vegas on. No, look out. Or stocks, whichever one you want to do. For entertainment purposes only. Of course. It is time for buy or sell. That coming up as we round third here on Out of the Box.
Welcome back, everybody. We are rounding third here on the Out of the Box podcast. We just did the Out of the Box midseason awards. Tom and I gave out some hardware, and now it's time for us to read the stock market or the tea leaves or however you want to do it. Oh, good. <laughs> because we are known for our predictions. <laughs> yes. It is time. We for, certainly make predictions. Yeah, we'll that's see. true. Yeah. It is time for buy or sell listing teams and deciding whether we buy them or sell them as a possible postseason threat in a variety of ways. Okay. And so that comes, you know, different territories depending on the team. We will start with LSU. Okay. Tom, do you buy or sell the Tigers as a potential Women's College World Series team and national championship contender. Yes, buy them. Buy them. Buy them. Yes, buy it. I mean, they're the offense that they've been able to put together in addition to the young pitching staff that they have. Uh, they're going to kind of go through the SEC grinder. What they've done so far has been very impressive with the SEC player of the year, according to the box so far uh, on the team. I, I definitely think they are a postseason contender. I completely agree. I am 100% pushing the chips in. Yes. I'm buying LSU. Uh, I think that if Alabama does not win the SEC, LSU will, if it's not Tennessee as well. Their worst loss this year is at Texas A&M. That's it. So yeah. they haven't really fallen to any bad teams like a lot of teams on this list have. <laughs> Losing at Texas A&M, what, is that, what does that feel like? I don't know <laughs> what that is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It happens. Wipe away the tears. Yeah, it, it, All right, it happens. So we are both buying LSU. Yeah. Same question. Arizona. Do you buy or sell the Wildcats? I think had I not been listening to what you were saying earlier about what uh, Arizona has been able to do offensively, I would have sold them because I wasn't as impressed in the circle as I thought I was going to be seeing them up close and personal. But if that offense is is clicking like it is, uh, I'm going to sell them, but not as many chips in the middle as I put it for LSU. I have been reading about Arizona. A lot of people, Amanda Scarborough said this on the broadcast on Sunday, which I watched the entire game. And she said, they've just been a different team since the Florida state series. And you can see that just based on the hitting numbers and Taylor McQuillan looks a lot better than she did against Alabama yeah. earlier in the year. So I'm going to tentatively buy yes. Arizona, not a big stock. I, <laughs> I think that they're not, they're going to be on the cut line to host super regionals, but I think that that's a team that certainly could make it to the women's college world series with their offense. There'd be one. I wouldn't want to be paired paired with in super regional. Yes. Especially if it was at their place. Right. 1000%. All right. Texas Tom buy or sell. I was all over Texas. I gave all sorts of, of awards to, to Texas, but I am going to sell them until I see them play Oklahoma. I completely agree. Yeah. I'm selling. Jeez, we continue to agree on this all these things. This is terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah, best wins this year. They won at Tennessee. That's great. Mm -hmm. uh, they beat Ole Miss twice when I think Ole Miss was still trying to figure out who they were, and they got a game against Minnesota, but also lost two. So I just haven't seen enough from Texas for me to buy them quite yet. All right. Same question for Minnesota, because right now they're in a position where they could host supers based on the RPI. I'm not going to say national championship contender, but is Minnesota a, are you buying or selling Minnesota as a world series possible contender to just make it? No selling, sell, 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 sell. <laughs> If they couldn't make it in 2016, I don't see them making it or whatever. Was it 16, seven, whatever, 17. Year, whatever, year, whatever year they played here. That was 
by far the best team they've ever had and struggled there. Uh, I think I still think they have the best pitcher in the conference, but I was not impressed with their coaching staff, not impressed by the by the defense um, struggling offensively. I know they have some good wins. I know they have a good RPI, uh, but yeah, I would love to see them have to come to Tuscaloosa one more time. Yeah, I'm going to sell Minnesota as well. Uh, winning at Texas twice, pretty impressive. Sure. But Amber Pfizer behind her, I'm not sure who I trust in the circle. So I will sell Minnesota. What about Ole Miss? Are you buying Ole Miss as a potential regional host and or regional spoiler if they were a two seed? Hmm. Those are two kind of different Those are a little bit different. Yeah. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna sell them as a regional host because I think eventually the schedule is going to catch up with them here in the conference. Uh, I will buy them as a tough two seed, uh, but I I don't think they're going to host. I'm going to buy Ole Miss as a host. Wow! I really like Molly Jacobson. Don't go Don't go Mary Half on me. With I her. know I know. Well, you, Mary Half has let me down. Yes. But Molly new, Jacobson's new money. New yeah. money. I I just I don't know. There's just something about this team. There is no reason Ole Miss should beat Florida in a series. But was that Ole Miss or was that Florida? I think it was Ole Miss. I mean, okay, all right. I, look, I'm just I'm buying them as a potential okay. regional host. Mm. I really am. <laughs> Kentucky, are you buying or selling Kentucky as a regional host at all? Seventeen in the RPI. They've got some good wins this year, but not great. And the strength of schedule, I think, is still number two in America. Right. Are you buying or selling Kentucky? No, because you got to win some of those games. Yep. Yeah. When if you're if you're going to play that schedule, you need to come away with some victories uh, to really do more than just have a good strength of schedule. Um, and somewhat similar to what I think is going to happen to Ole Miss, I think as they move forward in this conference schedule, can the grinders going to continue to grind them up? Um, so I again, they'd be a number two seed that I would be a little bit scared of to play with Cheek and those type of players on on the roster. Um, and if they can get get hot at the right time, they wouldn't be one I'd want to play. But I, I don't see the most thing. Yeah, I too am selling Kentucky. I just can't get behind that pitching staff when your best ace, Autumn Humes, is at mm-hmm. three nine three. Yeah, it's just not good enough. Abby Cheek, though, in my conversation for SEC Player of the Year. So, but I am selling Kentucky. Florida, kind of going back to the big picture. Oh my goodness, are you buying or selling Florida as a host of Super Regionals? Not saying they're going to make the World Series because right. I think my answer would be no. Because if they make the World Series, that means Kelly Barnhill has thrown three games <laughs> right. in Supers. Right. The question is will Super Regionals be in Gainesville or will they have to travel? I think they travel. Yeah. So I'm going to sell them as, as, a, region, as a Super Regional host. Um, just already almost too many losses. Yeah. Even if they get on a run like I've been talking about, they have the opportunity to do. I mean, unless it's a you know, multiple, multiple sweep run to where they're in, in the conversation to win the conference. Um, now, if, if they do that, then yeah. But I, if, if they don't do that, then I don't think they, they can win or they can be a top eight seed uh, with the losses they already have. Best possible record in SEC play is 18 and six. That's fine. But even that may not win it. I don't, I don't think that would win the league. And I don't think that would put them as a lock to host supers. I agree. I'm selling. And I think that's going to be fascinating to see where they end up on the totem pole and where they potentially have to go. Right. Could it be Tuscaloosa? Oh, goodness. I've seen projections. Why, why even bring up such a possibility? I know. I know. All right. Buy or sell <laughs> Missouri as the ultimate 
tournament spoiler. Whether they're in it or not, we don't know right now. We as of as it stands, they would be in. Right. Because they have not announced anything. But buy or sell Missouri as a dangerous tournament spoiler. Oh, one hundred percent buying that. I think they if they get in their team you don't want to play because of that offense that they're able to to put together. If they get just a uh you know, run of the mill or even a little bit above that performance in, in the circle, I think their offense can can definitely slug them to to at least pushing whoever's hosting that regional, if not, you know, getting a surprise victory and, you know, moving through to supers. I'll take you one further. We know they're not going to play any SEC teams. If they go anywhere else besides Florida State, UCLA, Washington, or Oklahoma. I don't think I'm forgetting anyone. They will win their regional. Wow. Because that, and you know, say you see a Texas hosting, a Texas Tech, an Oklahoma State, I think Missouri would beat all of those teams. Right. Maybe not Texas. That would be 50-50, I think. But I think they would beat Texas Tech based on what I've seen, even though I haven't seen much of Texas Tech, if anything. And I have seen a bit of Oklahoma State. I think Missouri would beat them. Hmm. I would like to see them go against, say, Minnesota wins the Big Ten and hosts a regional. Ooh. I think Missouri, if that happens, Missouri definitely beats Minnesota. Ooh. Yeah. We're both buying. I really want that to happen now. All right. Here we go. I hadn't thought about it before, but now I want that to happen. We talked about it on the broadcast. Mississippi State, kind of in the same deal as Mm -hmm. Missouri. Buy or sell Mississippi State as a dangerous two or three seed in the NCAA tournament. I'm going to sell that. I, I, I think they have, again, they have a very scary top of the order, um, but I think they're only that scary if they get to see a, a pitcher multiple times and they won't get to see a pitcher multiple times in a regional. I think if they go up against somebody's number one who has, has a good, good film study on, on Mississippi State's uh, hitters, I think they'll be able to handle them. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell them as a postseason contender yeah i will sell mississippi state as well i just don't trust their pitching staff and Fale Lu is excellent mia davidson superb cat moore is good even though she crushed us on sunday <laughs> but you know if well, you can cat moore is good and em- emily heimberger is not gonna not gonna do what she did against no most people that she did against she just had a really good weekend but she's you know she's a eight nine hole slapper who had a really really good weekend against alabama yeah i just don't trust their pitching staff emily williams is a decent pitcher. I did not see anybody behind her that impressed me. Alyssa Loza, who I thought would be their best pitcher on staff, came no, in, yeah. immediately gave up home runs. Yeah. So I am selling Mississippi State. Buy or sell, Tom, the Georgia Bulldogs. For what? I'm going to say for a World Series and or Super Regionals contender. I will sell that. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I think they're too inconsistent. They should be. They should be. But they just haven't been that way this year. Um, and I don't see that changing as they move forward in the conference. So I'm going to sell it. I'm going to buy it. Not necessarily World Series, but I'm going to buy Super Regionals. I don't think they're hosting Regionals. I think they've got too much ground to make up at their current RPI at 37. It would take a bunch of sweeps to move up that high. Right. But I think they're going to be a really good two seed that knocks somebody off. And I think Alyssa DiCarlo and that offense, I think that they have the capability to possibly make it to OKC. Here's the problem, though. When you look at it, historically there's not that many upsets no i agree there there's there's, we haven't seen one since what 2013 2014 something like that as far as you know in the regional round especially there's just not that many upsets yeah Uh, so i I think it's hard to try to pick some of these based on that just 
Yeah. No, I agree. I, I just, it's a gut feeling. Because I, I kind, think. Kind of like Georgia, what we said with Missouri, you know, there's a lot of those, those five teams that you, they're not going to go there and beat them. No, I, I agree. So. Here, so. Here's the other part of it. Uh, I guess this is a buy with a contingent. Okay. Mary Wilson Avant has to be the Mary Wilson Avant that I saw in Auburn. I watched that game, a one hitter. The final hit she gave up was an inside the park home run with two outs in the bottom of the seventh. <laughs> That's an Auburn team that was hitting it really well this year. Sure. So if she's able to pitch like that and the offense can even be half of what we expected of them, then that is a Georgia team that I think could be really good, could be really good and could win a super regional. Okay. So I'm buying it on the condition Mary Wilson Avant is good. <laughs> if she's not, then yeah, Katie, get ready. Get in front of a door, Katie. <laughs> yes. Bar it and such. <laughs> Finally, Auburn. 30 and 7, 6 and 3 in the SEC, but I looked at their team sheet. Their best win of the year is at Mississippi State. That's not a great win. No. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. Compare, compare, right, compared but, to what other people have, yeah. However, their worst loss at the time, we thought, uh-oh. But their worst loss is Missouri State at 57. Not a bad team. So, do you buy Auburn as a host for regionals? What's their RPI at right now? 15. <sighs> mm, I'm still not going to. I think they're going to be a high two seed. Just because I think they got some more losses on that schedule still coming up. So I don't see them getting any higher than 15. And I just don't know how much, you know, depends on what the committee looks at this year. Uh, some years you, they can, you can see the tournament based on the RPI and some years it's like they didn't even look at the RPI. So depends on how the committee takes a look at it this year, but I don't see them getting any higher than fifth or 15th in the RPI, especially with a trip to the sea coming up. So there, there's, there's a few too many losses still on that schedule. Yeah. You've got South Carolina coming to Auburn after that. Trip to Kentucky, Florida in Auburn, mm-hmm. and then a trip to Arkansas. I just I don't see it, so I'm selling Auburn. And again, we have not seen a timetable, at least I haven't, for Michaela Martin. No, I haven't either. So I I, I can't buy them with her out. No, definitely. Yeah, if, especially if she's out for any more of an extended period of time than she already has been, definitely sell them. Yeah, so we're both selling on Auburn. Mm-hmm. For who's surprised? <laughs> it's shocking development. Yes. <laughs> All right. So that is buy or sell. You've heard our takes, and now it is time to hear our immediate takes as we get ready to head home. Tom, it is time for our predictions for this weekend. And plus, thank you to all social media posters. You've given us so much material <laughs> for this week's off the wall segment. That plus picks in the SEC coming up as we head home here on Out of the Box. About ready to head home here on the Out of the Box podcast. Gray Robertson and Tom Canterbury here with you. We start, as always, with our predictions for the upcoming weekend. But first, an update in the standings. Tom and I, as we've agreed on most things in in this episode, (laughs) we are agreeing with each other in the standings. We both have four series picked correctly. Wow. Yes, overall. And this is... is both picking the winner and the number of games Correct. won in the series. Yeah. So last week I got Arkansas 2-1 over Kentucky, Georgia 2-1 over Auburn, Tennessee 2-1 over Missouri. You got LSU 2-1 over South Carolina, Georgia 2-1 over Auburn, and Tennessee 2-1 over Missouri. Okay. So, good right. work. 
Hey, Good work, partner. So I wonder if we look back, it's one thing I need to do. How many total just sweeps have there been in the conference this year? We'll have that ready. I'll have yeah. that ready for so, Friday. Yeah, because they, they, they are not easy to come by. They were happening early. Yeah, there they were a few not. more earlier earlier on than I was expecting, but those are those are very difficult, which may tie into the off the wall segment later on. <laughs> and these picks. Yes. So let's start with one that if you looked at the preseason rankings, you would say, Oh, that's a sweep, but now I'm not so sure. Texas A and M at Georgia. I am still wrestling with this. Tom, you go first. Well, yeah, like you said, before the season started, this would be an easy sweep for Georgia. Um I think Texas A&M has, they have like a seven, eight game win streak since they it's got It's about the, to be seven. Yeah, yeah, since they got the win over Alabama on the Sunday. A uh, couple wins over BYU this past weekend. I think they're playing pretty well. Georgia obviously is playing well, as well as they have for an extended period of time this season. Um, but I think A&M is going to be able to scratch across one. So I'm going to go Georgia 2-1. I'm going to agree with you. I like Georgia. I think they're playing a little bit better. I like the way Mary Wilson Avant pitched against Auburn. I think that A&M, though, is kind of finding their groove. And if we see the Kendall Potts that would win a Cy Young Award yeah. on the Sunday against Alabama, Jeez. they'll get one game. Yep. So we're both going Georgia 2-1. Ole Miss at Kentucky. Hmm. This is fascinating. I will go first. Okay. I'm going to take Ole Miss 2 out of 3. I might be buying too much stock into Molly Jacobson and this team, but I also am making this pick because I can't trust Kentucky right now. They're just not playing well. They're not they're not pitching well. They're not getting the timely hits. You know, they got the 16-2 win over Arkansas. Next day didn't score until I think it was the fifth or sixth inning right. after being held scoreless in game one of the series against Arkansas. So they're inconsistent. They just don't have a lot of confidence. And Ole Miss has to be riding high after winning a series against Florida at home in just a, a gargantuan series in terms of amount of innings pitched. So give me Ole Miss two out of three. I'm going to say Ole Miss riding so high, they overlook Kentucky. And I Whoa. think, and I think Kentucky wins two out of three. It's like Kentucky two one. I think you have, there's just a Jekyll and Hyde type team with Kentucky. And I think you'll get the, the good Kentucky two times. And again, I think, I think Ole Miss is going to be a little bit overconfident. This will bring you back down to earth a little bit. We'll see. That's fascinating. This one is very interesting and so mm-hmm. interesting they made it Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Mm. Auburn at Tennessee. Tennessee in a sweep. Whoa. Yeah. But sweeps are hard to come by. They are Tom. hard to come by. <laughs> Doesn't mean they're they're impossible to get. And I'm gonna go Tennessee gets a sweep because um I know we can't give caveats on this. This is assuming Michaela Martin doesn't pitch for Auburn. I just think Tennessee has too much offensively and too deep of a, deep of a pitching staff. Uh, they're going to be able to keep Auburn off balance. Uh, it's a tough environment, tough place to play in Knoxville. Uh, they'll be rocking and rolling. Auburn will be still still down from losing in the Final Four in basketball. Uh, so I'm, <laughs> so I'm going to go with the Tennessee Vols. Lady Vols, <laughs> making it happen. Uh, nice. Unlike their men's basketball sneak team. attack. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say that Auburn gets, t- or excuse me, Tennessee gets two out of three, but Auburn gets one game. And I say that because each conference series, Tennessee has had that one game where their offense hasn't quite clicked. Yeah. Lost one zero to Arkansas. Mary half pitched out of her mind, but also they struck out 15 times against a pitcher who hadn't been pitching like that for a couple weeks. True. Against Maddie Norman, they lost. Tennessee lost five four. They didn't score until late in that game. That was a game where Missouri was up. Five 
5-1 at one point late in the contest and then lost 8 nothing to Florida. You know, I mean, you can't fault them for not scoring against Kelly Barnhill, but that was after they've been hitting the lights out against sure. that pitching staff. So they always kind of have one yeah. game where they're off. I think Auburn offensively is able to make them pay for it. So I think Tennessee takes two out of three. Again, not that I have any love for Tennessee. This might be a little bit of my, my bias coming through, but... It's never good when Auburn wins anything. So, <laughs> How about Alabama's opponent from last weekend hosting the team chasing Alabama in the SEC standings? LSU at Mississippi State. Hmm. It's a tough one. Yeah. I'm taking LSU 2-1. I think Mississippi State steals a game. I think Mia Davidson, Falelua, they do something. I think Emily Williams has a good game or whoever they decide to pitch because I still don't really know <laughs> right. the rhyme yeah. or reason. We just... We just watched them for three games and still don't know what Van's doing. (laughs) No clue. No idea. And LSU, again, we've seen them just drop games. Really no excuse losing to South Carolina. South Carolina's fine, but at home, considering how they pelted them in the other two games, probably should have won game two. Uh, After after watching Texas A&M to see LSU blow a big lead in College Station and A&M come back, they just kind of have a, a difficulty of sweeping. So I like LSU to uh, get two out of three. Totally agree for pretty much the same reasons. So I'm, I'm going to go with LSU as well. Two out of two out of three. All right. Will Florida lose a fourth series in a row to start conference play? They host Arkansas. Mary half got into a collision. I have not seen an update. I don't know if it, it I know it kept her out of the rest of the game. Right. I don't know if that will affect this weekend. We, we have no idea. Hopefully we'll find out by game time, but Arkansas at Florida all we know is Kelly Barnhill is pitching every game. That's right. <laughs> In some form or fashion, Kelly Barnhill will pitch every game for the rest of the year. And I think they get two out of three of Arkansas this year, this weekend. I just think, again, with the un- uncertainty of what's going on with Mary Half, Autumn Storms has pitched well the last couple of weeks, but I still don't trust her completely either. They're going to be good enough to get one, but I think Florida wins two out of three. I agree with you. I really want to pick Arkansas because... I would love it. I, I really no, nothing would please me more oh, when, other well, than the Tennessee sweep of Auburn <laughs> than, than for Arkansas to beat Florida. Uh, but I just, it's going to take a lot, even with their struggles, it still takes a lot for me to pick against Florida at home. Yeah. I'm going to take Florida two one autumn. I, I really want to pick Arkansas because autumn storm showed me something against Kentucky. She pitched really well, especially when you consider reportedly in game three, she didn't have Mary half behind her. So if she got beat up, they really didn't have anybody to mm. come in and it might've been a, a, a complete disaster. Yeah. So that was impressive to me, but I just, I don't think Florida's going to lose their first four conference series. Yeah. I don't think it's happening. So give me Florida two out of three. And finally where we're going, Mm-hmm. Alabama at South Carolina. Tom, I'll go first. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Just a little tease there. Uh, I have picked Alabama to sweep the last two series, and the Crimson Tide has lost both game threes. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to change it up. Okay. All right. I say Alabama wins two out of three. I think South Carolina steals one. Uh, I th- I'm not sure when it would be. I'm not sure how they would win in what form or fashion, whether it's South Carolina pitching or just out hitting Alabama. I have a hard time seeing a debacle like game three against Mississippi state happening again in Columbia. But I also think just being at home, all of those factors help South Carolina get one game. I couldn't tell you which game it will be, Yeah, but I think South Carolina steals one and hopefully 
I'll be wrong, and we'll see a sweep, just like I've been wrong the last two weeks. <laughs> I agree with you. I'm going to go with Alabama wins two out of three. Um, I, it's going to take a lot for me at this point to pick an opponent or to pick the road team to sweep somebody anywhere in this conference. The way the way things are going, as much parity as there is, and as as good as the offenses are, it, whether it's because everyone has has film of each other early on, and, and you can pick each other, you know. Everybody, everybody's got a book. Everybody is, knows what where the weaknesses are to every hitter that there is. Uh, just everyone knows somebody so well. It's so hard to get sweeps. I think South Car- I think Alabama is better than South Carolina. I think they're both offensively and and pitching wise, even without Montana Fouts. If assuming again, we don't know for sure, but assuming she's not going to be pitching this weekend, I still think Alabama's better. But at home. South Carolina will find a way in one game, in my opinion. But if Alabama can continue now to win, if they win their first four series of, of the of the season with you know one sweep in there and everybody else 2-1, Alabama's in, in fine shape. Yeah, I agree. I think we're going to see a good pitching performance from one of you know Dixie Raley, Kelsey O, Carly Heath, Kayla Jotar. One of them is going to pitch well enough, mm-hmm. I think, to get a game. And again, also, I picked two straight sweeps. And it hasn't happened. And that is because it is so hard to sweep people in this conference. Just trying to switch the mojo up. Just trying to switch it up. And the thing is, when you look at it, like Emily Williams, it's not like she was dominating Alabama hitting. No. It's just. Or dominating this year. No. She was just keeping Alabama off balance enough and then getting out of jams. And maybe there's somebody on that South Carolina uh, pitching staff that can do the same. Yeah. I have not watched film yet for South Carolina. I will try and figure that out by Friday. Yeah, let me know. Let me know what you see. I will. So those <laughs> are our projections for the weekend. Not a ton of agreements, a few, but not a ton. And now we have made our predictions. It is time for the off the wall segment. Yes, it's back. Alabama lost. Everyone went crazy. Here they come. (laughs) The trolls are rolling out from their bridges asking us, you know, to pay or whatever trolls do. Uh And they have. I have no coins for you, sir. No, we we will pass, actually. (laughs) So be quiet. There are things that we wish we could say to to people, but we're going to be vague and we're going to just talk about concepts. Mm hmm. That we have seen in social media posts and on message boards. Tom, you're off the wall segment commentary. Go ahead. Okay. So Alabama, after a series that they score three runs in the first game. Correct. Eight runs in the second game. Correct. Nine runs in the third game. Correct. That is a total of uh, 20, I do believe. There you go. Yes. Didn't even use a calculator. Yes. Was able to got it all up there on the old bean. (laughs) But... And take a look at the hitting stats in SEC play. These are just in SEC play for this Alabama team. Uh, Alabama is first in home runs with 21, first in slugging percentage with 623, uh, first in on base percentage at 456, first in walks with 64, including the nation's leader in walks, uh, first in stolen bases with 17. This is with Alyssa Brown not really getting a whole lot. She only has five in conference right. play. So 17. Batting average, second at 310. Third with 75 runs and third with RBIs at 66, including the nation's RBI leader in Bailey Hemphill. Uh, but what, are, what is the one thing that most people are talking about? The offense struggling. This is not a struggling offense, people. Nope. They had three games where they kind of struggled a little bit and they didn't get shut out. And Alabama won two of the three. 
and had lost on a walk-off on one and lost on in 10 innings in the other one. Alabama has been in position to win literally every game they have played and they've lost two, but somehow the offense is still quote unquote mediocre. Uh, that is an actual quote. What mediocre are you, was used. What are you people looking at? I don't understand. I don't get it either. And can I throw in overall statistics? This is from every game this year. Uh-huh. Alabama second in the SEC in runs scored, fourth in hits, second in runs driven in, tied for first in home runs, first in walks, first in stolen bases by 10, first in walks by 25. They're getting <laughs> on base, right? fourth in on base percentage, fourth in slugging percentage, and yet they can't hit. And I get it. Look, I get the issues. You look at the 15 left on base and you say that has to be better. And you're right. Yes. I agree. Yes. They also know that. But just because you have one game where you struggle with runners on base and Alabama struggled hitting with runners on base on Sunday against Mississippi State, 100%. that does not mean that performance will dictate how the rest right. of the year is going to go. And even though left 15 on and still scored nine runs. Yes. <laughs> and if you're complaining after only scoring three runs on Mississippi State, A, Alabama won that game. Right. And B, I don't know how many times we have to say it. Every game is different. Yes. You will need one run in some games. You will need 16 game, in other games. Games are not played on paper. They're played in your television set, sets or your radio. That's that's this with actual people that play in games. There are a lot of games to a season. You're going to have natural ebbs and flows. I mean, you take a look. You know, it's it's obviously not as many as there are in Major League Baseball. There's 162 games in Major League Baseball. The season has started, and but they don't even players don't even start looking at their stats or looking at the standings where they stand until they're two three months into the season. So I mean, it just it takes a little while to get things going sometimes, and you know people are just going to have up and down type games, and you know might have a slump where they go three or four games without getting a hit. That's it's, it's the nature of the game. And I don't understand why people will give the benefit of the doubt for baseball players and not give it to softball players. Mm-hmm. It's the same basic principles involved. Just more constricted in right. terms of schedule. Yeah. But there's still a lot of games being played. And in fact, the fact that the, the schedule gets constricted, it actually makes it even more and if you're if you slump over a weekend during one of these preseason tournaments, that's six games that you're slumping. Where instead of just three, mm-hmm. so it, it you know it's it's part of the game. It happens. And you know what? If you're really worried about somebody in a slump, can I take you to the 2015 Super Regionals? Uh-huh. When Marissa Runyon had been what oh for th- her last thirteen it, or something? It was a ridiculous amount. She had been pinch hit for the time before. It was terrible. Yeah, and then she hit a grand slam to. Basically, it was basically a walk-off Grand Slam. Right. It wasn't, but it basically was. Send us Oklahoma City. Yeah. It's, it, it works. It happens. So everyone chill. This team can hit. There's there's no chill. And you know what? If you're saying that Alabama's only pitcher is Montana Fouts, watch some games. Don't yeah. just look at statistics from one game, okay? That's all I have to say about that. My off-the-wall segment. Montana Fouts goes down, Tom. Yes. You know, your freshman of the year. We we love her. She's excellent. You know, she's one of the nicest people. Right. Not a troublemaker in any form or fashion. No. But I see everybody on social media saying, oh, no, right. she. It's not everybody. It's like 
two or three people. It's a, well, it's enough people. Yeah, you've got. But here's the thing: you've got rumors spreading. Yeah, you've got people saying if, it's if, the if, hand. If anyone's ever watched Veggie Tales, we know about the rumor weed. It's gonna, you know, it just spreads. <laughs> it just gets bigger. Yep. Don't smoke yeah. the rumor weed, Don't, people. No. Look, Montana Fouts has an undisclosed injury, not to keep fans in the dark, but to keep the opponent in the dark. Do you think? That Patrick Murphy didn't know that Montana Fouts was hurt until 20 minutes before game one at Mississippi State. Really? Uh The reason it was not announced was so Van Studeman could not prepare for it. The reason there has been no timetable is so that this weekend, Bev Smith, who also has Facebook and can look at these press releases. She she does have the Internet. Yeah, so that she has to prepare for all four other pitchers instead of preparing for Montana Mm. Fouts for two games. But still has to prepare for Montana Fouts. Exactly. Same with Lou Harris Champer. You're keeping it vague so that the opposition doesn't know what Alabama is going to do. And we saw that work this weekend. I could tell they weren't prepared for Crystal Goodman. You could tell they were not prepared for her changeup. They were not prepared for her fastball. They figured it out as the game went on because she was in there for five and two thirds innings. Mm -hmm. But they were not prepared. Mississippi State was not prepared for that. And finally... If you are out there saying Montana Fouts has been suspended and that the fact that it's vague is just to hide the fact that she got in trouble, just get into a room, lock the door, and stay there. Just get, you, get a life. Just, get, have, just, just have some stop sort it. of right. There is nothing nefarious going on. We interact with Montana every weekend. She is perfectly fine. She is not in trouble in any way. There is no suspension. That rumor, just dispel it. I saw some people insinuating it. It it was re- the most ridiculous thing I've ever read. Yeah, yeah. If there was one person on the team that I would say would not get suspended, it would be Montana Fouts or Sweet Claire. <laughs> her Sweet Claire. No, yeah. Sweet Montana, Sweet Claire. They are not being suspended. Not at all. No, it's, uh, you know, and Alabama, if somebody's suspended, they will tell you they are suspended. And they always have. Kaylee Tao was suspended during the offseason this year. Yes. She was a, she was a freshman All-American last year. Suspended during during fall ball. And we found out very quickly. There was a press release put on on that. It wasn't a vague Kaylee Tao is minorly injured <laughs> and will not participate in fall ball. No, they said she was suspended. Now, again, now all that's under the bridge. Everything, everything seems to be fine moving forward. Not an issue with Montana Fouts. I promise you. I can guarantee it. Yes. I can. Oh, my gosh. It made, that made me mad a little bit. I was like, really? Like, you no. think we're hiding? The the <laughs> coaching staff is hiding this because yeah. she's suspended? Yeah. No. And we're not, hi- again, we're not hiding it to keep the fans in the dark. It is for the opponents. It is strategic. You know, gamesmanship. I, I saw people compare it to Alabama football injuries. Okay, that's fair. But what about Nick Saban not announcing a starting quarterback for the last couple seasons, although he has for this year, but not announcing it for the last couple years until basically the first game was kicking off? Right. It's the same deal. Yeah. It's so that whoever Alabama's playing in that first game has to prepare for more than one quarterback. Exactly. That's how. Yeah. And again, that's one of the that is one of the differences between baseball and softball. To where you don't know what the rotation is going to be necessarily for for a softball, you know, for the pitchers, and that you do a little bit is matchup based more than this is our definite Friday guy or Saturday guy or Sunday guy. You know, it's just it's just the way that it is, and it's part of the gamesmanship of the game. You know, we're talking about a game where there can be flips of who is in what position at the coaches' meeting with the with the umpire. 
you know, at home plate. And that's why you got to watch and make sure that the pitcher that you've given all the stats for is actually the pitcher that's out there in the circle. <laughs> or it's not a new right fielder for right. the fourth time oh, on well, the day. We can't figure out what's happening out there. No. But yeah, so you know, Montana, Montana's fine. She's not in any trouble. She's a little bit hurt. She'll be fine. And she will be back hopefully very soon. Again, right. we don't know a timetable, but you will find out when she is back because you'll see her in the circle. Yeah. You know why you know why we don't know a timetable? The same reason why Bev Smith doesn't know the timetable. Exactly. And Tom and I need it more than Bev Smith does because <laughs> well, we have to put I, together all these lineups. I think so. I, yeah, we're, we're important. <laughs> <laughs> that is why we have the off the wall segment. That was superb. I feel good, good. Work, Tom. I feel good. I feel, I feel like I've vented. Everything's off the chest. Ready to go to Carolina. Now. But now here, here's my final point. Everyone, <laughs> everyone, one more point. One okay. more point. Everyone calm down. Everything's yeah. fine. In the words of Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X. Yes. Relax. Let's just breathe. Yes. Let's breathe. That's the off the wall segment. Do, do we need to read the conference standings one more time? Alabama, <laughs> number one. But the national rankings. Yes. That works too. Number uh, four in both ranks, in both polls. Didn't fall at all, even though they lost to Mississippi State. Wild. It's For amazing. A team that can't hit. How that happened. Absolutely absurd. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for episode five of the Out of the Box podcast. Been a lot of fun. We've had a great time giving away the midseason awards, playing by ourselves, talking about the SEC, and now we get ready to head to Carolina. Tom, where can folks find you on social media? Go to at T Canterbury, C-A-N-T-E-R-B-U-R-Y-R-T-R on Twitter, where you will get all sorts of stuff, including uh, cheers quotes. You'll get some. Uh, That's my favorite part, yeah, by the way. <laughs> that, is, that has come, come back here recently. Some of the most non-biased, biased commentary that you'll be able to find on Alabama and all things Auburn. Will you be live <laughs> tweeting the Auburn-Virginia game? Depends on how that goes. Uh, okay. But <laughs> I will certainly not be rooting for Auburn because, again, no one can explain to me how it would be positive f- toward Alabama for Auburn to win this game or any game they've ever played ever. We do not have time to dig into that. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Gray, G-R-A-Y underscore Robertson, or you can follow the show's account at out of the box underscore pod. We will be back next week. We've got a great guest lined up. We will announce that on the Friday or Saturday. We'll decide on okay. the Friday or Saturday broadcast when we are in South Carolina. Both of those games at five o'clock Central Time, and then I think Sundays at one o'clock Central Time. Big three-game series this weekend against South Carolina, where people can listen to us at. Yeah, uh, if you're in Tuscaloosa, you can listen on ninety-three point three FM or anywhere else. Or if you're in the outskirts of Tuscaloosa, it's not the most powerful radio station. Uh, just go to RollTide.com. <laughs> go to the uh, the schedule page, and there's a a live audio link there and that'll get you to our uh, to our streaming and again we'll have every game that alabama plays from here on out we've had every game we played before now uh, so they'll all be there uh, and you can get them at any point point. and of course every episode of this podcast available on apple Podcasts as well as soundcloud you can find the soundcloud link on our twitter at out of the box underscore pod so anyway it's been a great show folks thank you for tuning in for my partner tom canterbury i am gray robertson we will see you in columbia this weekend have a great night everybody we'll see you on the next episode of out of the box Boom.